This week on Physically Spiritual, I'm joined by Dave Vacheris as we discuss the practices in his fatherhood of Jubilee and the Father's blessing. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I'm captivated by discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Welcome to the show, Dave, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it and appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about something that uh, has been very important in my own life. Yeah, and this in this series, I'm normally on the show like monologuing, talking yeah. about a topic, but I'm, I'm recently a father. Solanus is, at this point, 13 months old. So I felt like with this topic, I needed to kind of go back to school yeah. and, and, and learn from others. And, and as I was thinking about this idea of fatherhood, it just struck me the Lord has placed different people in my life at different times to teach me lessons. Mm. And um, a couple of years ago, you invited me to be on Morning Offering. You're the president of Annunciation Radio, the Catholic radio in Northwest Ohio and broadcast all over the world online. So you have a daily morning show at 8 a.m. called Morning Offering. And part of that is a 15-minute guest segment yeah. on the word of the day. Mm. And you invited me to be the regular guest on Thursday morning with that. Um, so if you want to catch us any other time, catch yeah, us Thursday right. morning, a morning offering yeah. live. Um, but one Thursday, right around the time that Solanus was born, mm. you brought up these practices you did as a father of Jubilee and the Father's blessing. And it just, we'll get into what they are later, but it just struck me of like how simple they were, but also how scriptural they were. Mm. Um, and as I start with all my guests, I like to ask them about their story because I think God calls us into ministry and expresses that in our life through the particularities of, of our life. Yeah. So I was curious, like what in your life led up to this, the kind of fatherhood that you had with your children? You know, so much of what we do as parents, we learn from our own parents. Mm. Now, some of that we gravitate toward and some of it we reject and go in a different direction. I think that's natural to all families. And and certainly it's what I hope my own children will do, certainly mirror some of the things that I did as I was raising them and then avoid some of the other pitfalls. But my own story is similar to so many others. I didn't have a father growing up. My mm. father passed away when I was just 10 years old. Mm. And so in my own uh, relationship with the Lord, that became a very difficult thing for me to be yeah. able to image God, you know, to, to find God, to understand what he was like because I had lost my own father so early. Mm. My conversion story came through a familiarity with Mary, the mother <laughs> of Jesus, because I had a good, strong relationship with my mother and she modeled uh, Christianity very strongly for me. And so I was able to identify with the female figure of Mary. Mm -hmm. And then through that relationship, she quite frankly introduced me to her son, Jesus. I came to know him and then came to a better understanding of fatherhood. But as I began to have children of my own, I really had to uh, search a bit to see what it would, what I would do as a father in raising my own children. Again, not having that uh, that practically in my life. So I did what I love to do. I delved into the scriptures <laughs> and yeah. I really looked at what fathers had done, the role that fathers had played, uh, both in the Old Testament more pronouncedly, and then also in the New Testament. And I really came up with two approaches that I don't think were unique, but they were unique as I found them. 
one, the fatherly blessing, which is mm. so strong in the Old Testament. Uh, we see this, um, this role of the father, this prophetic role of the father, this authoritative role of the father over his children. And mm. I really gravitated toward that. And then also the idea of Jubilee, which wasn't actually associated with fatherhood, but was a regular practice of the church. And it was a very dramatic event in Old Testament. Every 50 years, slaves are set free, debts are forgiven. Just this dramatic freedom happens every 50 years hmm. as described by God and followed by the people of God. And so I gravitated to those two things in particular as I began to get ready uh, for my first child. So I'm, I'm doing a kind of a deep dive study on this as, uh, as we are talking about being open to life as marriage has taken place. And obviously that, uh, that opportunity is born, uh, that a pregnancy would follow. I began to really deeply dive into that even before, um, we became pregnant with the first child and then began practicing those things almost from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That thanks for sharing that story with, especially with not having, you know, that, that biological father throughout yeah. your childhood. I'm curious because like after your conversion, I know you, you went into religious life for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're with, I think the Friars of the Eternal Word. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm curious, like that period of your life in your discernment and early in your conversion, um, like were there men that the Lord brought into your life that kind of like filled that father gap or, or, uh, or were, were people that you, you felt like the Lord fathered you through? Certainly. Uh, yeah. Certainly through uh, discipling, under Mother Angelica, certainly, mm. again, that, that strong uh, female influence. But I yeah. was a member of the religious community. We had a superior there, Father Michael McDonough, and he certainly began modeling that father figure mm. for me, uh, opening that door to a better understanding of the Heavenly Father. And, and God had given me opportunity, even before I came to him, to have strong males in my life, mm. uncles and others, who had made themselves available uh, to play that part for me. But again, there's nothing as intimate as that uh, your, your father that you're with every single day. And my father was a very generous, loving, wonderful man. I think if I had had more time with him, he definitely would have modeled those things for yeah. me. But I just, I'm not that far beyond the age of reason when he died. Mm. So I've definitely pulled some things from him, early memories, but the Lord has always been generous in my life to bring forward those father figures. And as you said, particularly in, in the religious community where I spent a little less than a couple of years, uh, but definitely influenced by Father Michael McDonough and continue to be influenced yeah. by him even today. Yeah, I'm just thinking of a young Dave, you know, getting ready for your first child and you turn to the scripture. Mm, yeah. You know, what a gift of like, one, there, there's this, I think, I, I kind of imagine a certain dynamic of like, for like the classical term, the tabula rasa, like the blank slate, yeah. that on some sense, maybe you had less of that default, how to be a father because of your childhood, but then how the scripture filled that space in your life. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like what were the, the key scriptures that like inspired these practices in your life? Well, one, I, I think I would start with this, where everything starts when you are uh, contemplating the bringing forth of new life, and that was names. You know, mm. we, we discard that too quickly. I really wanted to seek the Lord for each name of each child, mm. because I knew that that name would mean something. Yeah. 
and actually would be a revelation uh, as to what this particular child was called to do in their life. Mm. So I spent a lot of time praying about that first. And let's give one example. One, I have um, a great um, close relationship with King David, Saint David, proclaimed a Catholic, proclaimed a saint by the Catholic Church. So King David has always walked closely with me, and I've walked closely with him. So I knew I would want that to be a part of the name. But as I began to read further, there's a descendant of David, Josiah, hmm. King Josiah, who became king when he was just eight years old, and it says that no one ever loved. Uh, the Lord, the way that Josiah loved the Lord, going neither to the left nor to the right. And I went, oh my, that's what I want for my child. You know, yeah. I want that kind of power, that kind of authority, that kind of fidelity to the Lord. And that's a story I can tell my child why you're named after this person mm. and what the expectation is. And so uh, that's one example. So Josiah came forward as, as, as uh, my firstborn son, Josiah David. And then with that, with that naming and the story behind that, then I began to, uh, from the moment that I knew we were pregnant with uh, this child, I began to bless Josiah. Hmm. First person, and this is, this is what I discovered in my reading. We see it in the book of Genesis chapter 27 when Isaac blesses Jacob. Now this one is crazy. Isaac blesses Jacob thinking he's, ble he's blessing Esau. Hmm. And he, he, he speaks a blessing that comes to pass on Jacob, absolutely, and can't be withdrawn even when Esau yeah. uh, discovers this deception and tells his father about it. <laughs> um, Isaac says, I'm sorry, I've already given the blessing. I've mm. already spoken that blessing on your brother Jacob. It is his now. I can't retract it. Mm. What kind of power and authority is, in, is there in that kind of thing that once Isaac had blessed these, had blessed Jacob in this way, and all of the things that Isaac blessed Jacob with came to pass, mm. absolutely came to pass. Then we see later Jacob blessing his, his 12 sons, and he actually devies it up a little bit. Like he gives Jacob a special blessing. I'm sorry, he gives Judah a special blessing. Well, he, you can read in that blessing, you can see in the blessing that is given to Judah the fact that the line, that that would be the line that Jesus comes from. Mm. That, that that would be the line that was followed for the birth of Jesus Christ. And also Joseph, one of his younger sons, he gives him, him a special blessing, and that comes to pass in his lifetime as well. Hmm. So I'm discovering this, and I'm looking at it, and these, what strikes me about this blessing is it's first person. Hmm. It's never I, in the name of God, or God, may God do this. No, no, no. It's first person, father to son. I bless you to do this. Hmm. And I'm like, What? First person blessing, I am blessing you to do that. I am blessing you to be this and that or the other. And it comes to pass with absolute predictability. And so I thought, boy, I really need to spend some time and ask the Lord what he wants of each of my children mm -hmm. that I might write down, not what I think is best for them, but what I receive in prayer, what I want to speak over them because it's what God has for them. Again, yeah. first discerning the name, then secondly, discerning that prayer and that particular blessing that I would begin giving them at the moment that I found out we were pregnant, hmm. I would speak it over them in the womb every single day. Hmm. I would write the blessing down and speak that blessing on them every single day of their lives from that moment until the moment they left my household. Hmm. So going off to college when they were no longer living with me, 
that that was the last day I would I would give them their blessing, except each year I give it to them on their birthday, hmm. even today. And uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that, and for them to be able to receive it still. Yeah, thinking of that word blessing, it comes from a Latin word benedicere, mm. bene well, dicere mm. to speak. So mm. to speak well of someone. And I was just thinking that even even the giving of a name is an act of blessing. Oh, amen. Right, because you were speaking speaking well of them. You were mm. um, giving them this identity to live into, and these uh, almost prophetically the characteristics that you felt the Lord was calling him into. Yeah. Um, so that this practice of the blessing, so it's, it's literally the, the same, you prayed the same blessing over them every day, the same words scripted. Yeah. And, and, but you were, you were, uh, you scripted those words in prayer in discernment. Mm. Yeah. So you spent some time asking the Lord really what, in a sense, what, how do you want this son to build your kingdom? Right? Where do you Amen. want them to be? Um, yeah, that that process of of scripting seemed. I mean, it feels like holy ground to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was that like? Getting those words from the Lord. Yeah, it's, and some some of it just seemed so lofty, and some of it so practical. Mm. And so, but always waited. You know, it, it took a while to compose. Yeah. You know, and and to really receive those things again in reading the Word. What are some of the things that we see fathers blessing sons with in the Old Testament? And certainly, some of mine includes that. I, I just for Josiah's again, the first one I constructed. Josiah, I bless you to be a prophet to the nations. I speak a spirit of courage and boldness on you. Mm. I speak a spirit of compassion, wisdom, and knowledge. I speak a spirit of no compromise for Jesus. Mm. And then I would end with uh, each of them. Josiah, I bless you to be a prophet to the nations. I mean, I bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So mm. always blessing them with the sign of the cross afterward. But bringing forward those ideas and letting that settle into their spirits. Now, it's interesting. I mean, again, going back to this one example, Josiah, bless you, be a prophet to the nations. Josiah was eight years old, and he was on 20 Catholic radio stations across the country yeah. with a half-hour show <laughs> that went out every week called Kids Praise with Megan and Josiah. So he literally is going out to, from further than I was going at the time. I was running a, a, station, a network that had a few stations, and I had a show that was on there, but Josiah's was picked up by other stations, just about wow. all of them that existed at the time and literally going out <laughs> later, he goes and serves, he and his wife go to Africa and serve as Silesian missionaries. And they continue to have that heart for service, that heart for ministering the gospel, that heart for bringing healing and compassion on a people that are in need. And it drives him. Now, is that prophetic in, in the way that I spoke it on him uh, in the womb? Or does he hear those words and just try to live up to? I don't know. Hmm. I, I I have no idea, but I know it's a good thing. <laughs> so, and again, he had the heart and the spirit to live up to those things, and certainly the blessing that followed on those. But let me make it absolutely clear: all the faults of a human being is, as well, all the difficulties, but those particular spiritual gifts to help overcome those things. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of the creation, like when. God created by speaking, yeah. like God's words were deeds. God's words made reality what mm -hmm. it is. Um, and, and that's sort of the basis of God's fatherhood was him as creator. And then he, he builds on that throughout the, the history of his people. But it struck me the, par 
kind of like the participation of God's fatherhood in that blessing. Yeah. Like you don't know, did he just hear those words and live up to them or did the words actually have an effect? Right. I I would bet on both. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. participation in and really in God's creation. Yeah. That happens. Well, in, in my own life, I have to say, carrying the name David mm-hmm. and Michael so after St. Michael, but speaking directly about David, I've found great consolation in that name that my parents gave me, not only in my ability to serve the Lord because I count on the example of David, but on my ability to rise after I've fallen. I look mm-hmm. to David over and over and over again. I think about those Psalms, of course, the 23rd Psalm, but also the 53rd, you know, the 51st Psalm where there's the repentance of David. Yeah. And, you know, Scott Hahn, Dr. Scott Hahn says, I would sin like David if I could repent like David. <laughs> and I say to Dr. Hahn, Unfortunately, I can repent like David, and so I've had to ask for a lot of forgiveness along the way, too. But I know that in carrying that name, it's given me great consolation. And so when I went into both the naming process and what I would speak over my children, and I've had other people say, well, can you speak a blessing? I said, I can pray for a blessing on you, but I don't have authority to speak a blessing on you. I'm speaking uh, into the lives of those that the Lord has given me authority over for a period of time. And I take that authority very seriously. I take the defense of my children spiritually very seriously. I take very seriously the idea that I can participate with the Father when I'm seeking him, and I can hear from him about what he wants me to speak on my children too. Mm. And that's where that flowed from, from individuals that the Lord had given me authority over for a period of time. Yeah, I love that distinction of authority because a lot of Catholics, when they hear the word blessing, they might think, well, that's something that priests do. Yeah. Like priests bless us. They they can do the hand gesture, mm. you know, but us lay people, we can't do that stuff. Mm. And I think what you said there about authority is key. Uh, the catechism, when talking about priesthood, says this, the ministerial priesthood is a means by which Christ unceasingly builds up and leads his church, mm. right? But I think you could... Um, you could flip that and say the baptismal priesthood is a means by which Christ unceasingly builds up and leads his domestic church. Amen to that. Right? There, there's yeah. a way that our, our family is a little microcosm of the, the big church. Mm. So the, the father in the home, in his baptismal priesthood, is living out the priesthood of Christ in a special way. Yeah. Um, so that, that fatherly blessing is within you know, the father's authority. It is something appropriate and beautiful in our Catholic tradition. Uh, so just for anyone in the audience who's kind of hesitant, thinking, "Well, mm. are we getting into the priest territory here?" Right. No, I think I think I think this is something that's uh, an intimate part of fatherhood. And I think it has to be said. Look, there is an authority that I now again. My children are mature, full-grown individuals mm. now. I don't have I don't have that kind of authority over them anymore. But when they lived in my home, mm-hmm. when I was the priest of my domestic church, when I carried that authority. I actually carried an authority that was unique and far different than the one of the priest. And he can't fulfill that in my home. Only Mm. I can fulfill that in my home. It's different. It's distinct. The fathers certainly are pastors, are priests, certainly carrying authority that we don't carry. But we also, as parents, carry an authority that that they can't carry either. Yeah. 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 It's it's so beautiful. And I I think of like the richness of how like full our church is. Mm-hmm. And then how really complementary the fatherhood of the priest is and the priesthood of the fathers. Amen. Yeah. Right. There's we 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 really fill out the body together, um, and then it, then it's also a hopeful thing because then when people for whatever reason don't have an earthly father, 
you know, the body of Christ is there for them to, to help bridge that gap. Amen um, to that. And I do want to say the priestly blessing. I mean, the fatherly blessing. I, my, my own son, going back to Josiah, he, he has a child newly born. Mm-hmm. He and his wife bless that child together. They've chosen to do a parental blessing. Yeah. And I, I don't think this is absolutely unique to the father. I just think it's something that was uncovered in that way, yeah. certainly practiced in that way, but they did the same thing. They wrote out a blessing for mm-hmm. their new child, Judah, by chance. And uh, again, with this, uh, the study of the scriptures to determine the name, but also they decided they'd script it out and, and they both play a part in that blessing each night. Nice. Yeah. I say you're inspired. Like we, we pray over Solanus, but we haven't developed that blessing. And I'm definitely going to, yeah, going to take this home to Brittany and we're going to, we're going to get on that. I love that practice. Um, let's shift to the idea of Jubilee. Mm. This practice of Jubilee, um, really kind of bringing this idea from the Old Testament and, and a really practice the church has done throughout history too. You know, the Holy Father just did a year of Jubilee in the year 2000. Yeah. I know even, like our bishop forgave debts of the parishes hmm. on in the year 2000 as part of the Jubilee year. Um, so w- where did this practice of Jubilee come from in your study of the scripture? And then how did you practice that in your family? The first time we see it coming up is in, Levi- in the book of Leviticus. Hmm. And it is this proclamation. There used to be a seven-year cycle. So hmm. the Lord asked that they till the land and all of those wonderful things, bring, fo- bring, bring forth your fruit of the land, for six years, and at the end of the seventh year, every end of the seventh year, they were to rest the soil. So they Mm. were to put enough back during those six years that they could make it through the seventh year without continuing to exhaust the ground. Mm. Well, now we know that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, Let the soil rest so that it can rejuvenate. They were just following the description or the prescription that God had laid down for them. Um, And then in Leviticus, we see at the end of the seven at the end of seven cycles of seven, so mm. seven times seven, 49 years, at the end of that, there will be proclaimed a year of jubilee on the 50th year. Mm. And on the 50th year, slaves are set free, debts are forgiven. All these wonderful things happen in the community as mm. a celebration of the end of the seven cycles of seven years. And it's proclaimed as a year of jubilee. Absolute freedom is granted after mm. 50 years. So we do that, as you said, in our church, we have it every 25 years. We're like, well, you're doing it every 50. We'll do it every 25. So we have another Jubilee coming up uh, 2025. But as I read about Jubilee in the book of Leviticus, I thought, boy, I want to adapt that for my own family, this idea of freedom, this idea of being able to be set free. And so as my children uh, got old enough, even before they were before the age of reason, I announced this idea of Jubilee that we would have a scheduled Jubilee every month. Mm. And I would sit down with them and I would converse with them about what was going on, what difficulties were happening in their lives, that kind of thing. And when they were young, that was a particular set of things. After they aged, met uh, past the age of reason, that became a different thing. When they got into the teen years, that became a different thing altogether. Mm. And as they began to enter into those, uh, the end of their teen years, that took on some other things. But what it did, uh, I'll speak to what it did before the age of reason, is this idea that they could come in with me, they could tell me anything. These were the ground rules. Mm. In Jubilee, you can tell me anything without any fear of punishment or reprisal, period. Mm. You could tell me anything without an idea that any rule would be changed based on what you told me. Nothing changes 
externally based on what you told me that stays in Jubilee. When we walk out of that room and the Jubilee time is over, nothing goes forward with us. Hmm. And so you could see what that would do for a four or five-year-old. A six-year-old, I will tell you, the wonderful thing it did is it was a wonderful opportunity to get prepared for confession because when they went to confession to the priest, they already understood the idea of forgiveness from a parental perspective. Mm. Now they're going a step up, a big, big, big step up, and and they're going to the confessional and confessing to the priest in persona Christi, which I never never claim uh, to take on that kind of thing. Mine was strictly between them and me. Mm. They they got forgiveness from me. They received no punishment from me. They had the right to speak and and know confidently that they would be forgiven. In the early years, again, it mar- it was marked in one way. As they got older, more serious things were discussed, mm. but they already knew coming in that they could tell me anything. Mm. Again, without any fear of reprisal, without any fear of change in rules or punishment at all, they could be completely honest with me. Now, I understand some people are going, well, wait a minute. You know, that means now they've decided they can get away with anything. And I don't, I don't deny that because here's the thing. I decided I made a decision that information and the ability to talk through things was more important than my ability to punish them. Mm-hmm. Now, what would often happen in Jubilee, particularly as they got older, is in the conversation, they would come up with things they wanted to change mm-hmm. to get to a better place. I didn't impose them, but we would continue to talk. And I'd say, what, is, what do you think is bringing this about? Well, handing, hanging out with Andy is not a good idea. Well, maybe you ought to, you know, and they, and they say, you know what? I'm going to commit to not hanging out with Andy anymore, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. And those things would come about through those conversations. Hmm. So again, it continued as a regularly scheduled thing once a month, but they could also, particularly as they got older, they could ask me for Jubilee hmm. at any time. <clears throat> They could come home and say, Dad, can we have Jubilee? I said, oh, absolutely. We'll go to <laughs> Jubilee. And, and they'll invite me in and they'll tell me some, something that just happened and, and we can talk through it, but there can't be any punishment involved with it. Now, the other side was if I found out something outside of Jubilee, they couldn't then ask for Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was kind of this idea. I wanted the information. I wanted to be able to talk with them through whatever they were going through. And I had made a commitment to myself and a promise to myself that I was able to keep, but not always easily able to keep. And that was, I would never be shocked. I would Mm. never let them see me shocked by what they were saying. I would allow them to speak everything forth without any judgment from me and just continuing in that conversational mode. Mm. And um, believe me, uh, I heard some things I would have rather not heard, Mm. but through that process, uh, we were able to come through some difficulties and, and get them to a point where, uh, they were convicted about the thing without without fear of punishment, but just through being able to speak through it and knowing that I love them, that I stood with them, that I I would be with them no matter through no matter what, and that they would never be separated from me because of their behavior. Again, for me, this idea that how could I deny them that when God gives that to me? How could I deny my children the very thing that God gives to me? Hmm. This, this fact that I can go to him no matter what I've done, I can go before him with the priest, again, acting in persona Christi, and he forgives me. 
Yeah. Immediately, without hesitation, if I have a sincere repentance and, an, uh, you know, obviously uh, I'm committed to not continuing on in that kind of behavior. But still, I wanted to model that for the boys. And, and I will say this, they're all, they, what they would say about it is they were never uncomfortable with confession. They are always comfortable going to Father because they had experienced it over and over and over again. It never occurred to them that Father would do anything other than acting in the person of Christ, forgive them and give them a new opportunity uh, to do better. And so I would say in that way, it, it was a very effective spiritual tool, but also in my parenting, it gave me wonderful information to be able to raise my each of uh, my children up in the way that they should go as the bible says i had to treat each of them individually honor where they were coming from mm. as individuals with the vision for getting them to where the lord wanted them to be as adults yeah i love that practice one just how practical it is you know i think some people might think like well you're losing the opportunity to love them mm. but i think you know kids want to be good mm. And I think some kids are so wounded, they get convinced they're bad. Yeah. But I think every kid wants to be good. Um, and, and experiencing somebody's love with the contrast of the bad we've done is much more painful than any spanking. Amen. Amen. You know, so, so there, there's something that's just gut-wrenching about just laying your soul out to somebody who loves you and, and wants you to be more. You know, so I imagine in those experiences, it probably motivated them to be better more than if you would have grounded them or put them in timeout or punished yeah. them or taken something away from them. Um, one of the principles that I talked about in uh, kind of the the preparatory episodes for the interviews was um, that one of the roles of the father is to call out the heart of their children. Mm. And I proposed that that the way the father calls out the child's heart is by giving them theirs. Mm. So the father calls out the heart of their child by giving them their heart. Um, kind of building on the principle that God, uh, a father gives good things to their children, but the best thing a father can give is himself. Amen. Um, so uh, I believe strongly that the, the parents are the first catechism to their children, that, they, that the children in the parents' bodies and their actions and their choices are getting their first theology lesson. Mm. Um, and I think it's perfect how you said like, the kids jumped right into confession. Oh yeah, because the supernatural was building on the natural. Right. Um, and when they got there, it was it was different. You know, it was with the priest working in the person of Christ, and they were offered something altogether different: the restoration of mm. of supernatural life, the forgiveness of sins, um, uh, the fact that the sin wouldn't be there at the day of their judgment anymore. Right. You know, it was something unique that they were being offered. Yet it wasn't a context that was foreign to them. Right, it, it built on their natural life, um, so I just I'm like just pondering how beautiful that that preparation was. Yeah, and I think you know again as I thought about this idea, how do I want to present God the Father to my children, mm. and and certainly in the, in the best way that I could, broken, imperfect in every way. Maybe I could find a couple of things. You know, in my life, I like to do threes. You know, you pick two or three things and you just concentrate on those things and you can get those things done well. Mm -hmm. If you try to pick up and do up 
do too many things, even for Annunciation Radio, in my own personal life. I try to keep it to a minimum, you know, a maximum of two or three things going on at once. And so I thought if I could, if I could image the whole, the, the God, the father in these two ways, even if I got a whole bunch of other stuff wrong, at least they would get a little glance into what God, the father is like. Now, there are many other things that God, the father would do, but I, I chose to concentrate on those two areas. And I constantly talk to them about that mm. in this way. I'm trying to show you what God, the father is like. He's not here. He hasn't come to condemn you. He's come to save you. He wants, he loves you. He wants to grant forgiveness to you, but you have to come to him. Mm. You know, on occasion yeah. you have to ask. That's why not only did, was it scheduled, it was them asking me for it to make sure they understood at times you have to go to the father and say, father, I need that forgiveness. Mm. I need this particular thing. Give me grace to overcome this particular inclination or sin. And, uh, and God, the father is, is, uh, there and is always going to answer those prayers and give you the perfect plan, the perfect path forward. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That just the real concrete ways to be like God, the father to your children. Mm. That's, that's so powerful. And I think it's, it's also so practical, you know, cause sometimes when we hear the church's high theology of fatherhood mm. and that the fathers, all fatherhoods, from God's fatherhood, it's like, what do I do with that? Right. You know, like talk about feeling like a failure. Yeah. Right. But but I think these really practical tools make it manageable. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can sit down with my kid once a month and, and let them bear their soul. You know, I can I can pray and ask the Lord to craft a blessing for me to just mm. you know, that prayer you said took less than a minute. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? But let me tell you the beauty of it. Every day for 18 years plus the year the, the months in the womb for nearly 19 years i pray i prayed that blessing mm. on them with my hands on their head every day guess what that young man had to do at the end of every day he had to come to me and receive his blessing yeah. no matter what he had done no matter what he was struggling with no matter how he had been deceptive no matter what had happened during that day he knew he had to come stand before me and have my hands on his head giving him that blessing that reminder of his high calling yeah. Even if he wasn't living that way that day. You know what? Even if I wasn't living that way that day, <laughs> I had to do it too. It was a two-way street. No matter where I was with the Lord, I had to come forward. I'd made that commitment. I did it. And it blessed me as much as it blessed them. A reminder every day at the end of the day uh, of what each of us was called to do and who we were called to be. Yeah. He heard it 7,000 times. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, you know? I mean, but again, it's practical. It, it's something that is easy enough to do, write out mm. that blessing. Don't make it too long because here's the thing. It needs to be short enough that you will actually do it every single day, that they'll come to you. And mm. I will tell you, you'd say, oh, 15-year-old's not. Yeah, well, if, you, if you've done it every day of his life, yeah. that 15-year-old's going to come and get his, they'll wake you up. I mean, I had them come in no matter what time they came in, if I was already in bed, if I had an early morning, and I used to travel a lot, it was the way that I would speak to them when I was on the road. I had mm. to speak with them every night to pray that blessing over them yeah. every single night. It was my connection to them every single day, 365 days a year for that entire time that they were under my roof. Yeah. Well, my, my I am going home practically, and we're going to get... We're going to get a blessing from the yeah. Lord for Solanus. He's only one, so yeah. I don't think he'll do Jubilee yet. Yeah, right. But once yeah, he starts yeah. talking. Yeah. Um, so Dave, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. If you want to catch more of Dave and I chatting, every Thursday morning, Annunciation Radio, 
the morning offering show um, live every day of the week. Yeah. So check out Annunciation Radio. You can catch it online if you're not in Northwest Ohio on their app or on their website. But with that, if you want to support everything we do here at Physically Spiritual, head over to physicallyspiritual.com to become a patron. God bless everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.